welcome to Southern Salon Podcast. This is Amy, and happy October. 173 years ago, this week, the first week of October, on October 7th, Edgar Allan Poe died under mysterious circumstances. So I thought I would share an article with you that I published a couple of years ago about a visit to the Poe House in Baltimore, which was the last place he lived before his passing. And then I've got a treat for you following that, uh, an interpretation of The Raven by Brock Davidson. Hope you enjoy. There are two places I always look for when I visit cities, an interesting graveyard and a literary site. The Poe House in Baltimore and his nearby grave have both. While Poe lived in several places like Richmond, Boston, Philadelphia, and New York, His home at 203 Amity Street is significant because he was staying here when he collapsed in a local tavern, wearing someone else's ratty clothes, and taken to a hospital. He died four days later on October 7, 1849. Since his beginnings are also in Baltimore, the city represents bookends to Poe's life. The house itself is tiny inside but well-preserved. It sits at the end of a row of apartments Just inside, there's a charming gift shop with all things Poe and a timeline of Poe's literary life in Baltimore. He lived here for three years with his young wife, Virginia Clem, and her mother, leaving in 1835 and moving with Virginia to Richmond. The rooms are small with low ceilings, and the house is as narrow inside as it appears on the outside. It's hard to believe five people lived here together, Virginia's mother, Grandmother and cousin also lived there. The front room leads to a sitting room and a fireplace where the family would have likely taken their meals. From there, a winding, narrow staircase that makes me wonder how women with long, thick skirts navigated the house daily leads to Poe's bedroom on the left. It is Spartan, with only a bed, washstand, and desk as it would have been then. To the right of the staircase is another sitting room where Poe's telescope, he was fascinated by astronomy, writing desk and chair are enclosed in glass cases. Another narrow staircase, so narrow only one person can go up and back down at a time, leads to the alcove where the women likely slept. Poe came back to Baltimore frequently, enough that the city claims his literary legacy, hence the NFL team's name, the Ravens. After Virginia died in 1847 at just 24, Poe never really recovered from his heartbreak. He tried to stop drinking, but apparently relapsed several times before his death, two years after hers. Poe is buried in Westminster Cemetery, a couple of blocks away from the house. I spent quite a while roaming around this beautiful space where the graves date to the 18th century. And if you visit the Poe House, stop by the gravesite, particularly if you appreciate the gravestone architecture of the Georgian and Victorian periods. I've always been fascinated by Poe's work and I respect his talent, but when I see Poe's image or read anything about his life, I feel pity because it seems he endured more suffering than happiness. Though his talent as a critic, editor, and poet was widely known at the time of his death, his greatness as a writer wouldn't truly be realized until later. For every success in the timeline of his life, there's a failure awaiting. For every happiness, a sorrow. It seemed like he had more than his share of that, and yet his work is taught in schools among the classics of great literature, and he's known as one of the first to write science fiction, and a professional team bears the name of his most famous poem. 
What would he think of all that? One can only wonder. Stephen King said of Poe, he was the first writer to write about main characters who were bad guys or mad guys, and those are some of my favorite stories. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor," I muttered, tapping at my chamber door, only this and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember, it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow, vainly I had sought to borrow from my book surcase of sorrow, sorrow for the loss of Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore, and the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, this it is, and nothing more.'" Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore. But the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. Deep. Into that darkness peering, long I stood there wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this, and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, soon again I heard a tapping, somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely, that is something at my window lattice. Let me see, then, what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when, with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling, by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore, though thy crest be shorn and shaven thou, I said, art sure no craven, 
ghastly, grim, and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore, tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door, with such a name as Nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing further than he uttered, not a feather then he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, Other friends have flown before, on the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by reply so aptly spoken, Doubtless, said I, what it utters, is its only stock and store caught from some unhappy master whom unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster till his songs one burden bore, till the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore of never, nevermore. But the raven, still beguiling all my fancy into smiling, straight I wheeled a cushion seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking I betook myself to linking, fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. This I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er, she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, God hath lent thee by these angels, he hath sent thee respite, respite, and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh quaff this kind nepenthe, and forget this lost Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if within the distance aden, it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. 
be that word our sign of parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked upstarting. Get thee back into the tempest and the night's plutonian shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul hath spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart, and take thy form from off my door. Quoth the raven, Nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting, on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. Can't get enough of the raven? Then check out the raven-inspired jewelry at Ivy Attic Company on Etsy. There you'll find rotating crescent moon pendants with a sketch of a raven on one side and the words, quoth the raven and nevermore on the other encased in glass. Ivy Attic CO on Etsy.